0: I want to open our Bibles quickly. Let's take, um, let's take a declaration of the lordship and judgment of God into the air, and then we'll take our seats. Let's uh, take from Psalm 24 again today. All right, Psalm number 24. If you are there, say Amen. Amen. Now let's use uh, the same version, as all of us read the same, and um, let's just use mine, New American Standard, because. That seems to be a popular one. If you don't have the version, please, can you just share with somebody? All right? Your version is another one, please. Just go move over to somebody that has, and we're all going to read it loud. Want to let's go? The earth is the Lord, and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? and who may stand in his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, and has not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is a generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Seven gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors. That the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen. Jesus is the King of glory. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And he will reign forever and ever. We say it again. Jesus is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. And he will reign forever and ever. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. In the name of Jesus Christ. He will build his church. Somebody say amen. Amen. I said he will build his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Reign, Jesus reign. Somebody say that. Rain Jesus reign. Say it again. Rain Jesus reign. One more time. Rain Jesus reign. Amen. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. All right, let's take our declaration of understanding, and then we can take our seats. Now I declare that, that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said amen. And the Lord is set to do that again for us this evening. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The healing power of God is coming. Amen. And it is entering the heart of somebody who says amen. That was a test. People with their mouth not the, the walk before. When you prove small blessings, they go shout the house down. Amen. amen. <laughs> oh God, Father God, have mercy for your children. Amen. Bless them don't, despite not saying Amen. amen. <laughs> The healing power of Jesus is coming. It will enter into our hearts, our bodies. Everyone listening to this, every part of you will be affected. Strength will come to those eyes. In the name of Jesus Christ. What they said was a disease of old age. Listen to this. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will enter into your body and make it alive again. It's called giving life to your mortal body. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats and commence teaching for today. All right, let's open our Bibles. We are looking at the breath of faith again. Uh, We read before from the book of James. We read from chapter 2. And the emphasis that James was bringing forth, we have been looking at, is that faith is an invisible substance in itself. But we have to know whether it's there or it is not. And the way by which you do it is by the works. He said, faith, if it has no works, is dead. Which What it means is that that kind of faith cannot save anybody. Those who preach a salvation that does not require repentance, that's where they make the mistake. If your salvation does not require repentance, Jesus does not know about it. Paul did not know about it. Peter did not preach that kind of salvation. No. Peter did not preach that kind of salvation. James most certainly did not preach that kind of salvation. He said salvation is by faith. We can't say that enough. Salvation is by faith. We know. But then, can a dead faith save? The answer is it can't. Nobody ever says salvation is by works. Salvation, Christian salvation, Salvation through Christ Jesus is by faith. However, the faith must be alive. There is dead faith. James showed it to us. If your faith does not have works accompanying it, the faith is dead. The faith is dead. Now, something that I've been saying, which I must remind us of, is that somebody may have dead faith and think his faith is alive. This is so important. There are people whose faith is dead, but they think the faith is alive. They are deceived. That's what the Bible says. That's why he said, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. It is possible to walk in self-deception. It is possible for you to hold on to something you think, but the thing is actually dead. Remember, you know, Jesus says something to one of those churches in um, Revelation it said, you have a reputation that you are alive, but actually you are dead. So let's bear that in mind. Sometimes we have faith. And one thing about profession is one way by which faith manifests itself, but dead faith also professes. I don't know whether you get my point. Profession, confession of the mouth, is a manifestation of true faith. However, dead faith also has that. People who have dead faith also open their mouths, And claim that they have faith, but they are deceived. That's a matter of fact. But so James Knight said to us, How do you know whether your faith is alive or your faith is dead? He said, By the works it produces. And I said last time, we must, it's important, we must do self which one is it evaluation, self assessment. You have to check yourself once in a while to make sure that you are still in the faith. It is possible for somebody to think he is in the faith, but he's gone out of the faith. That's why we need to continually do that self-evaluation. It's so important. We check ourselves. Check whether we are still in the faith. And how do you do it? It's by the works you are producing. You look at your life. Sometimes you just take your money and look at it. How have I been spending? It speaks to you about whether you have faith or you don't. Where have I been going? It speaks to you about whether you have faith or you don't. how What kind of opinions do I hold actively? It speaks to you whether you have faith or you don't. And it's an important thing we must do once in a while. Don't just assume you have faith. I said last time that faith slips away. It slips away. The Bible tells us clearly we should be careful lest these things slip away from us or we slip away from them. I explained last time Solomon as an old man. He backslid. Asa, after 35 years, he backslid slowly. The 36 year God wanted to wake him up and he failed the test terribly. We must do that self-assessment periodically. Jesus was concerned about it. He said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Because sometimes people just slip away gradually. Generations slip away. Nations slip away. You know, when you look at some of these our European countries, you wouldn't believe the kind of revival and reformation that happened there. Germany, England, um, Switzerland. You'll be amazed how the word moved in those places heavily. You get there now. M- most young people there don't go to church at all. Many of them have never heard Jesus Christ. That is in, that name is strange to them. They may have heard it in person, but just like they hear of a uh, Buddha and they are not Buddhist. So, and you'll be amazed. And that's just in like two generations. Not as if it took 200 years, two generations. You can't believe it. Prince Charles, um, the Prince of Wales, one of the titles he holds, is defender supposed to be defender of the faith. He has changed it to defender of faith, with an S, I think. Joe Biden was inaugurated into office, and one clergyman prayed for him in the name of our common faith. And Jesus is just looking. Jesus is looking at them. Your common faith. Your common faith. I'm coming. <laughs> you will soon see the effect of your common faith. I believe very strongly we live in a generation where God's judgment will manifest upon all this ungodliness. All this apostasy and backsliding we see. The judgment of God is going to manifest on all of them in this generation. I have no doubt in my mind about it. But you see those countries, they just slipped away gradually. It started with little things like making allowances for this. For that, you know, next thing you know, a whole generation. And you must understand, this satanic principle, or Satan and the satanic people, they kind of are quite patient. They come to a place like Africa. The target is not you and I. We are too old. It's a generation afterwards. They wait a whole generation to change the minds of the people slightly. Let me say this. I know to make me unpopular with people I'm not supposed to be popular with, so it's good. You understand? See all this um, LGBT agenda. It's a direct satanic attack. That's what it is. It's not primarily about sexuality. It is satanism. It is ungodliness being spread gently. And sometimes you know, the other day, already in the BBC news or something, they were surprised about at the approval rating of uh, Donald Trump in Africa. They were really surprised because the man was he had the reputation of being racist. He had a reputation. Of course, he called us dash dash whole country, remember? And they were amazed. When they would come approval rating in Kenya, Nigeria, 65%, 70%, 75%. Ah! So you know what their interpretation? Okay, America gives aid to Africa. I said the average Nigerian does not know America gives one shishi like this. They are not aware of it. In fact, if they were given, they would say the politicians have eaten it. That's how we reason, you know? we Nigerians. We so don't trust anybody. <laughs> we will say the politicians have eaten it. I felt, in fact, I think I wrote yes. I picked um, their email address and I re emailed them. I wrote them. I don't know. They didn't acknowledge it. That that analysis makes no sense. The problem, all right, that is the reason why such an approval rating exists down here for a man who you would have thought would have been angry with, is simply because. He defends our faith. He's not spreading. The first day he entered into office, he defunded any American agency that's preaching abortion abroad. First day. As soon as he sat down, give me the paper, he signed. That's the reason. The incursion of, do you know, under Barack Obama's government, I'm trying to reduce the amount of politics I talk in my messages, but you know, this is they to be really contemporary and relevant, you know. We wanted to fight Boko Haram. We didn't have weapons. We wanted to buy. A senator in America, with Barack Obama's consent, blocked our bid to buy weapons, not only from America, from uh, from uh, from Israel, from Brazil, and then we went to South Africa. They seized our money. Meanwhile, Boko Haram was fighting us, taking over territories. And what's the reason? They say we have human right, a bad human rights record. Why? We wrote a law against LGBT agenda. So they say we'd rather have you slaughtered by Islamists than have that thing stand. And we cry to the Lord. He kicked them out of power because if that witch had come into power, I'm sorry, if that woman, yeah, I'm telling you, one prophet that said so, it would have been worse. It's a satanic agenda. That's the point I'm trying to make. They are making things slip away from you gradually. They are not in a hurry. They start little by little. They inject a spirit into the environment. And it's so important what your laws say as a nation. What the laws of a nation says is important. Now, there are three levels by which God judges the the, the people. Their behavior is important. But the laws of the country, God reads them. He reads them. If he says this is wrong, people may be breaking the law. But the law is a representation of the soul of the nation. It affects divine judgment upon the land. Anyway, let me sit on my message. So you see, this thing is sleepy, We have to be careful. So we have to assess ourselves regularly. Ask yourself, am I still in the faith? Test yourself, am I still in the faith? And there are different aspects of life. Concerning marriage relationship, am I still in the faith? Concerning destiny, the assignment each person has in life, am I still in the faith? Concerning um, uh, your career, you know, business, am I still in the faith? Concerning my attitude towards money, am I still in the faith? The reason is that people sleep gradually. Sometimes you see preachers, they've slept, they don't know. Their messages will change. There are mes- I'm thinking of one in my mind, listen to the latter messages of the individual. I say, ah, bros, this was not what you were preaching to us before. Now, I don't know how you are going to check this, but the fact is this. If you're a preacher, how you know you are still preaching truth? is that when people finish with you, their faith increases. Now listen, when I say faith now, I don't mean the ability to make money. I mean their death to self. Do you get my point? When they encounter you, they, they worry less. There are preachers that by the time people finish encountering them, they're under pressure. If you are putting pressure on people who are not the pressure for righteousness, you are preaching unbelief. There are preachers who finish preaching, Listen, this is your stage in life, you should be doing this, then people leave that place, ah, I must make it. You are an unbelieving pastor. They were at rest until they heard you. They finish hearing you, you just told them they are failures. So <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Total, you know people go and read books from business schools. Total your total assets. Subtract your liabilities. That's your worth. I've ever preached it. The man who I heard saying this. I wasn't angry with him because I not a preacher. It was a business, you know, what do you call them? Consultant. Yeah. Yes, yes, Yeah. It was a business consultant. Even though I was speaking to Christians. So I pardoned him. If you heard a preacher say that, she said, bro, come down from that pulpit. How can my whole worth in life be tangible physically so that you can total my assets and then subtract my liability and that's what I'm worth in life? So every time I speak to people, it's not worth anything, and I'm a preacher. Every time I get on my knees, it's not worth anything, I'm a preacher. I'm a mother, I'm raising the next generation, It's not worth, because you can't value it in money. What nonsense. That's just a check for preachers. You can't finish preaching. And people are more afraid, they love the world more than before they met you. You're not preaching for Christ. When people meet you, they should love the world less. Can I use this expression? Please listen to it with care. They should be more careless with their lives. Carelessness in, I believe me. Let me just please God. And if I die, let me die. That is a sign of somebody who had the true gospel. That's the truth. Messages sometimes, faith slips away from those messages. Can I just tell you something? Don't out of discipline listen to any preacher that's weighing down your face. Is the papa of our church. And you keep listening. Listen. (laughs) Oh my God. Let me tell you the truth. When your faith goes down to zero, you will just drop and die. Yeah, literally. You can't live again. Christians can't live without faith. You just be crossing the road. You just fall into a gutter that's just one foot deep and you still die. People won't know why. But this gutter is just one foot deep and the man still died. Why? The faith is totally gone. There are people you call. They, they, they drop your faith drastically. You are doing okay before. Yeah, we know you are not rich. Then you got a call from whether it's your grandfather or your grandfriend. No, there's grandfather. There's grandfriend. The friend of a friend. So what are you doing now? You talk. You finish talking. You are bubbling. Then they, make you, they help you face reality. At the end of reality. Look, one of the things I'm going to explain today, God helping me, is that You know, they came to Jesus. Want to follow you? Say wait, sit down. I don't promote people. (laughs) I won't post you to a branch. Is it foxes have nests? Is it is it no bears have (laughs) nests? All kinds of things are possible. (laughs) Foxes have holes, bears have nests. That the Son of Man does not have a place to lay his head. Sometimes you call yourself a bishop. (laughs) Yes. As a bishop, you should have some things. Listen. Oh, God. We need a generation of Christians that actually are not afraid of tomorrow and they are willing to live carelessly for Christ. It is an evil thing we have done. Listen. The problem okay, is striking a balance. It's an evil thing we have done to Christianity, the cause of Christ, that we have begun to measure faith success materially. You know, the world sometimes they do some things. We should learn from some of those things. As indicting us, that's what I mean. One very rich American man does this, he said, if you died rich, you died poorly. Like, what are you doing? That you died rich. He said, No, you shouldn't die rich. While you are by by why you are still living, you should have dispense of everything. Now, I'm going somewhere. If even the average person in the world can understand that. Why can't Christians get that point? There's no mark of failure that you live through life and you didn't seek in Manjaro. What did I say? Sounds funny, right? Yeah. Then there are those who say, no, in this life I must travel the globe over. For what now? I hope you know Jesus never left Jerusalem and the environment. Yeah, Israel. That's all, the only place. Just maybe straight into Samaria and came back. He didn't go to Egypt as an adult. I know, I know he ran to Egypt as a little boy. As <laughs> a God sent his family to. But he wasn't a world traveler. That's the point I'm making. He wasn't. He wasn't a world traveler. He, where he was supposed to do his assignment, he did it there. One day I was talking to somebody. And Christians will be learning those things. They don't realize their own belief. Say, so children are born from the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is a problem. And trouble that is anybody who has a quiver full of them. Now, that's how the world reasons. They turn Psalm 127 upside down. So I was talking to a, a woman one day. We're just talking about, just talking generally. I said, look, why do people reason? I said, no, now, you know, this world is hard. I said, what is hard in it? I said, well, what's the problem? What would four children give you as a problem, or five? He said, ah, you know, you want to take your children abroad. I said, wait, excuse me. Yes, I know God will not be able to bless you for you to be able to do that. I know. Your God is tired. He's on the verge of retirement. He was for civil service and he's 68 already. So maybe that's your God, but let's leave that out for a moment. Okay? But let's even assume that that was a reality. The question is so. So because you want to travel abroad with your children, I mean, I don't know how depraved we have become. That that becomes one of the things we think about. Why the family has to be small so we can travel? I don't know what else to say. Other than that, is that not madness? People want to travel abroad. Yeah, I hope it, they're not going to Calabar here. Go and meet the average person wants to die to go abroad. Ask, have you ever been to Calabar? If the fellow is not from Calabar, are you getting my point? I'm talking about Enugu people and Lagos people. They've never been. Ask, have you ever been to? I'm looking no Dutsi, Dutsi, Dutsi. Where is Dutsi now? Jigawa. They never been there. If it's travel, it, see. Let me know. Oh God, this is distracting me. The place you are running to, those ones are running back to Kenya to come and see gorilla. They want to come and see bush meat. Human beings are just not satisfied. Thank God for internet. You can see anything you want to see. Even animals that don't exist, they can make it for you. 3D reality. But the point I'm making is that why do we make those annoying material things like they are the important things about life? Where I'm going is this. Christians have become so ah, so worldly that those things incit- start, start becoming important to them. You know, there are girls who will not agree to marry somebody because they don't think they can afford a great wedding. I didn't say marry you. I said what? Wedding, this wedding ceremony that it can cross your mind shows you need deliverance. Pastor came have you prepared that baptism meeting I've been telling you about? It's ready for baptism. We need to baptize people and wash away worldliness. And I'm telling you, keep the person down that water for one minute <laughs> so that they will have appreciation for life. <laughs> you need to wash away some iniquities from people's minds. The Lord is good. Back to what I was trying to say, please. Let's not let our faith slip. As Christians, look, if you're a preacher, when people hear you, they should become, like I said, more careless. What will be more important to them is pleasing God. It's not did I make it in life, it's did I please God. That is what faith is. Let's bear it in mind. So that's the things, those are the things i have been looking at. Jesus requires People like that. People of true faith to be able to do what he wants to do on the earth. So nevertheless, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? He has to find it. The What we are preaching is for us to be enough to find with faith in our hearts. There's a bit of fatalism that's important in the operation of faith. That if I die, let me die. Like you hear me say all the time, if I die... Bury me somewhere and write on it: Here lies a man who died believing God. It's an honourable, is a better way to die. That who died pursuing pursuing the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, emptiness. Whether we like it or not, this world will pass away. Let us assume you made ten billion dollars and you built the best houses in America, in Nigeria, in Ghana, give me another country, South Africa, all over the world, Japan. Hmm? Malawi, thank you. Made it of solid so- concrete. Heavy, heavy steel reinforcement. When Jesus comes, with this thing melt. I hope you are getting my point. Igneous rock mountain will melt. Look, all these things we are pursuing, they will not endure. See our churches that can see 10,000, 50,000, 100,000. Jesus will not say, oh, not, no, don't melt down one, it's my church. That's not his church. I hope you get my point. That is a building where human beings gather. What Jesus calls a church is individuals. If they're under a mango tree, the mango tree is the will of God. I hope you're getting my point. This worship of physical structures, I keep on telling people, there is nothing special about a physical structure. It's just roof. The sun shall not smite thee. <laughs> That's all it is. Say house of God. House of God is you and me standing together in agreement. There's nothing you want to build on this earth that will not pass away. Jesus will come will, and he won't check. Say, how was that? <laughs> Say, Pastor Kimoti, how was that your house? Say Lord it was very fine. For once he appears, the, and when you see his glory, the house will no longer have glory. Yes. Think of the best house you have seen and compare it to one run down. Hot somewhere. Tast roof made of mud that's collapsing. Compare those two. Now, worse in comparison, is the best house on this earth with what heaven looks like. Are you getting my point? You know when you say tast house, you know? there's not, Then when you see one beautiful mansion with everything, you know, like the, maybe the palace of uh, Sheikh uh, Bin Rashid Al Maktoum. People like that. You no know, house is built with maybe like 500 million dollars and stuff. Compared to one little hut somewhere, not too far away from here, one village. Now, if you take that being Rashid al-Maktoum's house and compare with the gate of heaven, the difference is wider than the one between that al-Maktoum's and the hut on this earth. So, no matter how fine what is on this earth looks like, when that which is eternal shows, even you will not want, you won't even notice the other one again. So, why, why, are you, why do you want to die for it? Why don't we die for things, in quote, die now for things of eternity? As the kind of Christian that Jesus is looking for to walk through on this earth. Not those who think that walking with him is a way to get earthly benefits. He wants Christians who don't see anything on this earth more than use. Are you getting my point? Things we just use. That we have just for the use of them. They don't mark our spirituality. It's not a sign that you have obeyed God. Please, I keep on saying this. If Jesus bowed to Satan... You will have been the richest man in the world. That's the way it works. There are two ways to become rich in this world. God blesses you, you bow to Satan. So you Choose one of the two. And outwardly both of them look the same. If God chooses to bless you materi- materially, fine. If you, don't, if you can't wait for the blessing of God, for the purpose of God, and following his pathway, you can go and bow to Satan. And there are different ways of bowing to Satan. And people bow to Satan every day, and they write books on how to succeed. They never tell you that we have to battle Satan. That's not part of it. Why would he sell? They remove that segment. And that's how believing lies that what you need to do is have a plan. Have a 10-year focus. <laughs> when they say you have a plan, 10-year plan. <laughs> Anybody saying that has never been blessed in this life? Or is a bloody liar? Do you hear what I said? I've heard it before that, look, you need to have a 25-year strategic plan for your life. Praise God. It's a lie. I'll say it, and we won't like it. eh? But you know, I like saying this, we don't like it. Anyone saying that either has not seen anything, or is he a liar? Yes, they lie. They lie. This man was not a Christian, but we can quote him, Steve Jobs, because of what he said there. He said, no one can connect the dots looking forward. You only connect the dots looking backwards. What was he saying? You can't tell where things are going. He said, but when you have reached there, you can look back and see how we got here. Yeah, that's what he was saying. Harrison Ford. I read this quote from him in Reader's Digest long ago. Harrison Ford was one actor that made it relatively late, even though he stayed in the booming segment of his life for a long time. He's old now. He's doing the last uh, run of... Um, uh, what the, what the name of that... Uh, movie series that made him. Indiana Jones, they're doing the last run now. They are filming. The old man is seventy something now. He said this I read it long ago, nothing less than twenty something years ago. He said that no one can rightfully take credit for anything. He made it a bit late in the acting business. Alright? And he was already in his forties before he did Indiana Jones, alright? He had actually given up. Acting they didn't pay him. He was now making sets. You know, he became a carpenter because man was eat now. So if we can't act and make money, we'll make sets for them and make money. Somebody now brought him in for that role and he really did well in it and he became a very well-known um, actor. But once they were speaking, he said no one can rightfully take credit for anything. He said there's luck and there's grace. Those were his words. He said, no one can rightfully take credit for anything. If anybody is telling you a plan, 25 years, he said, look, the person doesn't know anything. Or the person is lying. Somebody said, this was where I knew I was going to be today. That's how I planned it. Don't even argue. Just go away. He's lying. The person is lying. The Lord is good. So let's not put ourselves under pressure. That's the point I'm making. Faith. Let me get back to my main message, please. I spend too much time on this, so I've been looking at that. Let's open our Bibles, all right? Did I say we should open somewhere before? Okay, that's what we've been looking at. Our faith is important. That's the most important thing for us. Let's pursue it. So that's why we need to sit down once in a while and check that our faith is good, is in good condition, it's working. All right. Let's start from the book of um, Genesis. We're going to start from Genesis. That will be our text scripture for today. Genesis chapter fourteen. Genesis chapter 14. I just want to read this portion, and then I'll begin to explain something. Now this is a story we all know, just I want to take a text of scripture, and let's read. I'll rush a bit and slow down where I want to get my points out. Let's read from verse 8. And the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Adma, and the king of Zeboim and the king of Bela, came out. And they are ready for battle against them in the valley of Sidim, against Chedor. Luamah, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goim, and Amraphel, king of Shina, and Ariok, king of Elasa. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidim was full of tar pits. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fell, fled, and they fell into them. But those who survived fled to the hill country. These areas are not important. I just want to get a background. So this was what happened. Sodom and Gomorrah, their kings, went in for battle. Verse 11, then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food supply and departed. They also took Lot, Abraham's nephew, and his possessions and departed, for he was living in Sodom. Then a fugitive came and told Abraham the Hebrew. Now he was living by the oaks of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Escol, and brother of Anna. And these were allies with Abraham. Now when Abraham heard that his relative had been taken captive, He led out his trained men, born in his house, 318, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Jump down to verse um, 16 to save time. He brought back all the goods and also brought back his relative lot with his possessions and also the women and the people. Verse 17, then after his return from the defeat of Chedoloma and the kings who were with him, The king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek king of Salem brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, Possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, Who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tenth of all. The king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal tongue or anything that is yours, for fear you would say, I have made Abraham rich. I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. He said, let them take their share. I just uh, jumped mentioning their names. They are kind of tongue-twisting. You know what I mean? The Lord is good. (laughs) The next line says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abraham. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. I I like the King James, they say, I'm your exceedingly great reward. That God himself is that reward. That's very important. I like that. Now, I just like to add that um, single verse to my reading. Now, what am I talking about today? I think I can caption it the constraint or the constraints of faith. Now, let me explain this thing about faith for us is so crucial. You know, we're talking about faith, the breath of faith, that is the signs, the outward manifestations of faith is what I'm talking about. How do I know I have faith? How do I know you have faith? Um, James said, show me your faith. So it's possible to show your faith to somebody else. All right? He said, how do we do it? We use the works. But of course, like I said last time, what I'm focusing on is self-assessment, self-evaluation. Looking at yourself, that is my faith working. And what I want to bring out today is to emphasize to us this thing that Abraham did here. Many times we're talking about faith. Our focus is on what it can get for us. And get me, is not total. Um, no, I'm not saying it's wrong at all. not about whether it's total or not. It's not wrong. Faith indeed gets things for people. After all, Isaac was born by faith. As a matter of fact, he was. We know that Jesus operated many things. People will be blessed and he will say to them, your faith has done this for you. Your faith has made you whole. Faith does that. Faith does that. Faith brings abundant supplies. Faith brings deliverance. It does. But there's something I want us to understand quickly. Book of John chapter 10. About faith. There's something we keep on explaining. Error comes from when you take truth and you don't balance it. You take one side and make it look like every side. That's one of the reasons we have error. This one we have been concerning God, God helping us, we will do it either in our Bible studies on one of these Saturdays. All right, looking at the different sides of God. We need to do that so that people will not misunderstand. I keep on going about this again and again because the teaching is so strong, especially for those of us who grew up in the Word of Faith movement. The teaching is so is out there and is so strong. Unfortunately, it is not true that God never judges people, that God does not do what we call bad. It's unfortunate because it's not true. He does. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Why do we deliberately not, 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 read those things? For the Lord our God is what? A consuming fire. I've heard somebody twist it before. He said, when he grabs you, he consumes away all the evil in you. <laughs> One, we don't want to believe something, eh? We are powerful. Once we don't want to believe. There are different sides to God. Let me not start that one now again. I just want to keep reminding Christians. God kills people. He raises people from the dead. But that's not the only thing he does, raising from the dead. He told that, he said, look, one that woman, Jezebel, that calls herself a prophetess, she does not repent. She I will cast on the bed of affliction and I will strike her children dead. That was Jesus talking. Just that had compassion on the widow of nine. And raised her son. Jesus that wept at the tomb of Lazarus and raised the man that was dead for four days back to life. The Jesus of Talitha Kumi, you know, <laughs> you understand know my point? Yeah, that's him. Little girl, I say unto you, arise. Yet one day, he said, Go and tell that woman, I'm going to kill all her children. That was what he said. I'm not the one that said it. So there are different sides to God. That's what I'm going to emphasize. If we don't, in fact, the, the, the blessing of, 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 that is the blessing that God gives us, the blessing of revelation, is that God keeps revealing himself to us in different aspects. And until we understand certain aspects of God, we can actually not pray effectively. Yes, you can pray effectively. When Moses wanted to pray, God had to reveal himself to Moses, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. That was the basis upon which Moses made his intercession for the people of Israel they had to see it if you only saw the avenging side of god it would have been difficult to pray faith would not have been built up in his heart and then when iniquity fills the land you understand let me tell you hey, 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 hey. Hey, this world will see oh this earth we are seeing they will see you know what they got to see they will see they will see the judgment of god I say it all the time. There is no God that is alive, that is not dead. You will insult like this every day. One day he will not be provoked. He is slow to anger. He is slow. But you know what? If, if I say, let's start going to uh, Kaduna now. As far as it is from Menugu. And I bring that a keke. You know what they call keke? Keke na pep. And five of us enter the same keke you know, now on a slow journey. You seen Kekke's traveling sometimes and they carry more than the 911. You know, the journey will be slow, right? If that Kekke does not break down, I can assure you of one thing, eventually we'll get to Kaduna. It may take us a few days, but we'll get there. Just because after 24 hours, we've not seen us in Abuja, doesn't mean we're not coming. And many times people have not seen the anger and the wrath of God. They believe he's not coming. It's just that it's his nature. He's slow to anger. And one of the reasons why he's slow to anger is that he knows when he's angry. It's terrible. It is terrible. And that, he doesn't like to get there. That is why he will send prophets to them again and again. But instead of them to repent, what do they do? They will scorn the prophets, kill some of the prophets... And they will offend God until the Bible says there is no remedy. And God will now say this iniquity cannot be atoned for even by sacrifice. And if you read your Bible, eh, one of the most difficult messages to preach eh, is to look at scripture and try and interpose it you know, or overlay it on what is going on today. You will see there is nothing we have seen in, in evil that is terrible times that the people did not see when God was angry. You know, when Moses was going to define what God would do to Israel if they disobeyed him, I don't understand where we we'll get some of our doctrines from. He said, the sight you will see will drive you mad. And it was judgment of God. I was listening to David Paulson. He said, there is nothing that the Jews saw in the Holy Ghost that Moses did not warned about. He said, there's none. Sometimes we are praying for blessing. God say, Look, Banky, you and your people. I've heard your prayers. Then when you get up tomorrow now, you now say I should not bring the blessings. Oh, Lord, how are we saying so? The, to clear the road for blessing is not nice. I have to clear it. So go and warn your people that I'm coming. And I'm coming doesn't mean that, okay, wear a nice dress, let's do party, the Lord is coming. No. Get out of the way. Repent. I'm about to pass over that road. Because if I do, and you are not, you have not repented, you have not changed your ways, I will crush you to powder. And anybody who mounts any pulpit and says it is not me, I crush him too. Because we have badly misrepresented him. Many people who preach, they say this is heresy. Now, what I'm about to say is what they call heresy. And now me, I'm turning around. They are saying this heresy is actually heresy. Yeah, you see what I'm saying in a moment. What I'm about to say. They will tell you there's a devil that kills. And that some preachers will say that God kills. That's heresy. There's one of Israel's friends that don't listen to him anymore. Because only saying that he will say he said I I mean, I have a lot of patience with preachers. Just talk your nonsense and say the real things. I just overlook all the rubbish you are talking, then I get to where the meat is. This guy kept on saying this, I got tired of him. He said that, I used to say that God would judge America. That if God does not judge America, he has to explain to Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, no, I don't say it anymore. If God judges America, he has to explain to Jesus Christ. I said, wait. Are you saying to me, you don't believe God judges people? I'm not saying he should judge America. Are you getting my point? He's an American. He was before lamenting over the iniquity of the people. Then when they changed his mind, that is not necessary. I looked and said, my God in heaven. Let me tell you. We don't help people fear God. I think it is a heresy. The doctrine we preach to people to placate them to try and defend our God. Because they come insulting God. I like one who said this when I was in Sokoto. Was it Mommy Ann? Or who said this? Or Dr. Fabian, one of the two of them. Said that, who are you? To put God in judgment. To call him to judgment. To say to him, what you have done is not right. When the person goes say, My God. And that's why the world does sometimes. They want to put our God on trial. And we are foolish enough to come and defend. He <laughs> said, Who are you trying? God, he can't defend himself. He can speak with me. I'm going home because your caught is in trouble. I'm not coming there. But would they try to explain? You see, it's not God, it's the devil, but they keep on catching us. So it means your God is not as powerful as you say. They will not come and say, you see, um, he has given the leaves of the earth to the devil, so he can't do anything until he... Ha ha ha! It's not true. This is what happens when God is doing his work, and we don't... We are too afraid to see it. Why? They say, are you saying God allow 5,000 children to die? No, he didn't allow 5,000 children to die. He killed them himself. It's a word of difference. no, we, 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 we don't want to accept it. Why would he do that for the sin of their parents? What's wrong with you? Oh, God will kill the children and punish the parents for allowing him to kill the children. Yes, he does that. I'm telling you, I know what I'm telling you. Say, I gave you the right to cover them. You were supposed to repent and intercede. You did none of the above. So your sin came upon your offspring. Why am I to come and tell God what he's doing is wrong? What I'll just do is try and understand and say, Lord, please, sir. I want to go out to explain, to preach to people. What do we say? Tell them I'm coming. Thank you, Lord. When are you getting there? He is coming. The judge of the whole earth is coming. I think this idea that I was trying to defend God all the time, that you say it's not the one. I mean, what the scriptures are so clear. You read the scriptures, you see God doing his thing. He called Noah. I'm angry. I'm just angry. Lord, why are you angry? I'm not even happy that I put man on the earth the imagination of the heart of man is constantly evil. Wicked. Desperately wicked. Noah says so. So I'm going to kill everybody. That was the solution. The final solution. I'm killing everybody. Noah, apart from you and your family, and I want to pick some animals. So I'm going to rearrange some things. So Noah, get ready. And continue to preach. But don't worry, they won't believe anyway. And Noah was there preaching and building preaching, and building. And then one day, as at that time, let me tell you something about God. interested interesting the way he does things. The rain had never fallen on the earth. So the idea, everything that Noah was saying, people would be laughing at him. That historically, archaeologically, scientifically, astronomically, what he's saying is not possible. And God said, just that I'm going to drown everybody with water. <laughs> so he was building an ark on dry land. So this is the problem with Christians. They can't reason. They don't. They don't feel. They don't face the facts. They don't understand. The man was built. One day the man. The man whistled, and all the angels went out, packed the animals that were supposed to come, led them to Noah. They opened the door, ran inside the ark, and I knew that Jesus came by himself, and he locked the place from behind. Noah couldn't change it. Noah may have been your friend when he thinks you came banging the door. Noah said, "I don't have the key." They locked me inside, and of course. I've heard scientists, you know, I report that for the number of days that the rain fell, you couldn't have covered the earth. I said, read your Bible well. Rain fell from above and from the depth, water began to gush. Not even what people be trying to prove to me that as if, and, uh, uh, archaeologists have proven that this part of the Bible is correct. I said, don't th- stop talking nonsense. I don't need you to prove to me the Bible is correct. I need my Bible to tell me whether what you are digging is right. Yes. Ah. Uh-huh. And like one of the Bollinger's, they say, why do you always believe that if it's in stone, is correct? It's not a being that carved the stone. And that man, wrote the paper. When they carved in stone, you just believe it's correct? He said, no, you can't carve a lie. They sit down and make it look as if archaeology is supposed to prove to me what I'm, the, prof, the prophetic word of God is, is true. There's no archaeology that can prove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. None. Anyway, God drowned everybody and he took the glory. And the glory of God is not in only only the good things per se that he has done. It's in what we also call the bad. So sometimes when God does bad, let's not defend him. Let's not defend him. Let's not defend him. He killed 250 people in Bandage. So that's why we see him. Why? If you don't know, say I don't know. Why didn't he defend them? He's not Voltron. It's a lot of insults. It's a lot of insults. Think about it. They come and say that, where was God when the Twin Towers fell down? I like the way they somebody answered. They said, where you said it should be? They don't come to school. They said, I don't go again. The same building, you say, let's do prayer meeting in front. You say, it's a public space. It's against the constitution. You can't do that. Then when the building collapses, you know, say, where was God? And God said, where should I be? Do I look like Voltron? I'm not Voltron. In fact, for your information, I pulled the buildings down. Ah, you think I'm kidding? He says, "Al Qaeda did it. Forget that thing." God spoke to Al Qaeda, "Pull it down," and Al Qaeda heard the judgment voice of God and pulled the buildings down. And God counted one by one; they didn't just it, you, you will die; you, you will not die; you, you will die. They counted those who will die there, and those who are not supposed to die, they pulled them away. Why are we ashamed? Me, I'm not ashamed of it, too. because I found out <laughs> it's a God that wages war in righteousness. Like Dr. Falko in Sokoto, he said, God is so righteous that if he's killing you, you, say, you tell him thank you. Because he's so righteous, he can't kill you in error. He can't kill you unjustly. But that's how righteous he is. The one who wages war in righteousness. I've left my message. Let's get back to the message. I do that a lot. I know you are used to it. So why, should, why am I always trying to apologize? If, you should be used to it by now. So like I was saying, so there are many sides to things. Faith also has many sides. And you have to be careful when the judge, the assessment of faith is only on the side that appears good. Is your faith working? Yes, look at my new car. Is your faith working? Look at it. My wife just delivered two. Is your faith working? Look at the new house we built. Is your faith working? Uh, can't you see the number of clothes I had last year? It's not the same as the one I have this year. I've increased fourfold. Is your faith working? Now look at my bank balance. That is not a sign of faith necessarily. If I be careful, don't issue those things as a sign of faith. In fact, for Abraham, God didn't say to Abraham, I will bless you because you have Isaac. So I will bless you because you laid down Isaac. I hope you are getting my point. Abraham was not celebrated by God because his faith produced Isaac. Abraham was celebrated because his faith helped him to put down Isaac. I said "You opened to John chapter what? John chapter 10. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Now, I believe that was talking about the Gentile rich, all right? Verse 17 says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my father. That is, the father issued a commandment for me to lay it down. And I willingly laid it down. Now what I want to bring forth here is that the first thing he laid claim to was the authority to lay it down. That's what I'm bringing out here. I was saying something earlier. We have to be careful that a sign of our faith is not just these so-called good, good things of life. When Paul was going to give us the signs of his apostleship. He was not emphasizing on how much he has prospered as a person. His emphasis was on how much he suffered for the gospel. Let's read it. Second Corinthians chapter 11. I'm looking for where to take it from verse 16. Okay. I'll stay from 16, then I will jump if I have to. He said, again, I say, let no one think me foolish. But if you do, receive me even as foolish, so that I also may boast a little. So let me brag a bit. And look at the brag, you know. What am I saying? I'm not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness, in this confidence of boasting. Look at verse 18. Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. Look at the boast too. For you, being so wise, tolerate the foolish gladly. For you tolerate it if anyone enslaves you, Anyone devours you. Anyone takes advantage of you. Anyone exhausts himself. Anyone hits you in the face. To my shame, I must say that we have been weak by comparison. That is, in taking advantage of you. That's what he was saying. Sometimes, when I see the way some people criticize me, I laugh. You will support those who enslave them, harass them, threaten them, and tell that Pastor Bank is preaching... Well, they used to give my preaching all kinds of names. And I look at it these people are like gluttons for punishment. On the surface alone, you should follow me. Yeah? I remove the burdens that Christ didn't place on you. But you want to... Def- okay, you know, human means they don't want to agree they were wrong. If they have been following a particular way for 10 years. And I say, boy, this is not the way. They say, like, like, we have gone on this road for 10 years. It can't be wrong. You are going to port court You have been on this Lagos road for 10 years. When will you reach court That's what Paul was saying. But let's not get there now. He said, but in whatever respect, anyone else is bold. I speak in foolishness. That's I'm not talking now with reason. I'm speaking in foolishness. In whatever respect, anyone else is bold. I am just as bold myself. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm speaking as if I'm insane. Are they servants of Christ? I am more so. Now listen, how are they servants of Christ? That's where I'm going. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beating times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I have received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods, not lashes, rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers of rivers, dangers of robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food. In cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is a daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows I am not lying. Let me just stop here. No, oh, let me read verse 30 to the end. In Damascus, the ethnic under Aretas, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascens in order to seize me. And I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall. And so escaped his hands. Now, what was Paul describing here? He was he wanted to prove that his faith was genuine. How did he prove it? He said, see what I have suffered. See what I have laid down. I hope you are getting my point here. When he wanted to prove the genuineness of his faith. He didn't go for things that he acquired by faith. He went for the things that he laid down by faith. We said we must do regular self assessment. Is my faith working? Is my faith journeying? Are the things I'm saying correct? How do I do that assessment? That's what we're saying. Faith must have expressions, faith must have physical manifestations. And I'm saying in the first place look, don't look for what has my faith produced. Has my faith healed me? Faith heals people. It does. But that's not the first place I wanted to look at. When you're looking at whether your faith is genuine, what are the constraints faith has placed upon you? That's what I'm talking about. We read from that Genesis chapter 14. This man, think about it. You went to work. You labored for days. You are supposed to be paid a certain amount of money. At the end of a few days of work, they say your money is supposed to be 65000 naira, And the man cut it down to 15000 and long as they would not agree. He said, No. By faith, I accept the money. That was what happened to Abraham. <laughs> you know, it's very easy for us to put our application of your left school. We have good qualifications. And we are believing God for this. Ah, these guys will start you as a fresh graduate on 250k a month. Ah. <laughs> first promotion, confirmation like this, it's three hundred. As soon as you just make the first increase like this. Bros, within four years, I'm telling you, with extra bonuses, you can be going with 750 a month. Let's believe God. Let's join hands. Kele, kabosh, release, in, bring some money, plant a sheet. We'll use all kinds of methods because we are covetous. That's all. We don't admit it, but we are. And if back, if we mistakenly get that job, Apostle. praise God. Hallelujah. You know, when, 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 when Pastor Bang used to preach this and he was saying to us that you know anything, we can acquire, you can aspire to acquire the thing that you desire. You never have to retire, but you refire because, you know, you, quote, <laughs> you accept time, you know, testimony time. Praise the Lord. And then other young people are excited. You know, there's a story I like to tell. My alumni fellowship does this. We used to do something. We don't do that anymore. Again, the reason is because the the tables have switched. You know, then we had more students than the graduates who will come. So the graduates who come, who travel to come and introduce themselves. But now, the graduates they are more than seventy-five percent of the congregation there, they're the meeting, and their children are fifteen percent. So the students are now the tiny minority. So we don't do that anymore, okay? But those days, you just come for, you introduce yourself, you will say what you do, which faculty you were in, when did you graduate, where do you work now? And you know, children are just children. And I love my brother, Pastor Corey, so much. Paul said, I magnify my office. He magnifies his office. At that time, this was many years ago. Many, I mean, I'm, sorry, I'm telling you, it's nothing less than, I don't think it's less than 18 years ago, all right? So, he passes this church in Sokoto that he started. When it was time for him to introduce himself, ah, he took the microphone. He said, I have noticed something in this place. If anybody comes and says that I work with MTN, all of you will erupt with clap. He said, I work in shell. These are all of you will erupt with clap. He said, please, so, before I say what I do, clap for me first. <laughs> he said, because this clap, I need to collect my own. Because I know you guys do not clap. If I tell you I got up went to go and start the Sokoto, nobody is going to clap. So he said, clap first, if I tell you. We laughed about it. it. looks like we're laughing now. But you know the truth? It's a sign of our foolishness. If we had to clap, that was when we were supposed to clap. I hope you're getting my point. The Abra, please come. Which mission is Jesus sent you? He said, none. Excuse me. Where are the brethren that gathered and committed themselves to giving this certain amount of money every month? We say none. Okay. Oh, I know you did business sometime before you went. How much did, how, what is the returns on a monthly basis from the investments you had, which is supporting you up there? He says none. So, sir, explain. You got up, took a bag, traveled, arrived in a land that you need next to nobody. Nobody's physically supporting you and you started the ministry. And he says, Yes. Then you should have clapped. (claps) Say, Bro, you have faith. And that is, what what else will make you do that? I hope you're getting my point here. That was what Paul was teaching. It's amazing that when Paul wanted to describe how authentic his ministry was, why he should be listened to, why, getting my point, he wanted to brag. That you are listening to another preacher. Let me show you. I'm also a preacher. You know what the rest of us will do? Last week I laid hand on the sick. They recovered immediately. You know what they will do? Praise God! There was one woman. I put my hand on her business. Turnover increased tenfold in one week. Amen. There's a grace upon my head. I'm gonna connect with that grace this morning. You are gonna bring a dangerous seed. That's what Paul was saying. That the oppressor will oppress, and you guys will accept. He wanted to prove that he also was a cult minister. And he had the right to talk. He said, let's talk now. He said, three times I've been beaten with rods. Ah. And that is proof that you are called. Is that not proof that God is not with you? <laughs> Why you should be shouting, my God, my God. Why is that forsaking me? You are telling me that you are beaten. And I'm supposed to be impressed? So I was floating one whole night. And one whole day in the sea because we're shipwrecked. Ah. Wait. Oh, I took the rods after. First of all, let me tell you, five times I received 39 lashes. How many people know mathematics very well? Multiply five by 39. It's an easy way to do. Just multiply five by 40 and then remove five. 195, thank you very much. Lashes. 195 lashes. I was a stubborn little boy. I don't think I've gotten that amount my whole life. Plus my stubbornness in childhood, plus body house, plus quarrel with senior in body house. I don't think I received 195 lashes in my childhood, in my whole life. This man received it a number of years for being an apostle of the gospel. He said, that is proof that I'm called. You know, for us, it's not proof that anybody is called. You started a church last year and you are not up to 500 years yet. Which grace are you under? <laughs> the grace upon this commission will have increased that thing for you. Do you know people leave one church and join another to tap into another grace? If you're a young minister, you're a confused human being. If you're behaving like that, you don't know anything. You're not called. Close that shop. Go and sell your church card. You're not called. People jump from grace to grace. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Because they want the church to grow. Say so now who want to now go and submit to Pastor Okemute. Oh Why do they want to submit to Pastor Okemoti? Because he has a grace. I was seeing them. Eh? They never get anything. Nothing. You just be looking at them like this. Foolish Galician. <laughs> just be looking at them like this. They say they want to submit to another grace. The only ones I've seen are physically increased. They are the jagudas amongst them who join another set of jagudas. All these Babalawas that wear white suits. They're all over town. They issue charms. You join and they give you amulet. You've not seen pastors with amulet. Just remove their trousers. Some of them, they're under the belt. All of who God is judges begin to judge this year. Senior prophet amongst them has gone. The junior ones are going to follow. You know we have said it. They will follow. God has a reason. And all those used to lie in his name, he's coming after them one by one. I keep on saying, listen, preaching is not by force. Must you preach? Go to obey the market. Tell him man to take you there. I, I, all your colleagues, are they, are they preachers? Are they not doing their business? Where is Bishop? Go to a construction. There are architects and engineers who are there. Must you preach? Yeah, people. Look, go and do your business. But if you mount these pulpits, you call yourself a preacher. If you call the name of Jesus anyhow, he will destroy you. Yeah, That's what he's doing. Now, that's his next assignment. No, that's his current assignment. He's going from church to church. This one this guy really one of my servants? Tell the angel on the right, give me that sword. Sugar or smoke. <laughs> when they push sword in your heart, you're die. They say, no, one of us, let's go. You fall down the pulpit and they go to the next church. See, government does not need to close churches in Nigeria. Jesus will close. Oh, he's going to close them by himself. You go to a place like Rwanda, government decided to close them. Jesus said, No, 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 no. In Nigeria, no, no, leave that thing for me. Worry, don't touch. You know you're a Muslim. If you touch them, they say persecution. So leave them. I will arise by myself. And I will shut them down one by one. Some young boys, when their church starts growing, that's the deal they will die. Yes. People jump in. They say they're looking for grace. They're not looking for grace. They're looking for money. Because the bigger the congregation, the bigger the number of people you can milk. Today, <laughs> today they under this commission. After one year, the commission is not moving. Then they go until they get into the hand of Babalawo. Iman, <laughs> they will not be arguing with you that you are calling somebody a false prophet. You know when some ignorant is open their mouths, you just wonder that God. Once you give one of us mouth. Because this mouth abuse is not good. The, this useless use of people's mouths. As if they don't read their Bible, that they are false prophets. There are false prophets. There are false prophets. Some of the largest congregations in Africa, they are presided over by false prophets. You see that, you watch them on TV. You see the Sea of Heads. Simon the Sorcerer. Leading people. Making himself appear like somebody great. Anyway, let me give the word of Lord Jesus Christ again. I'm tired. You know what I always say? If you want to be a clown like a uproar in nature. And you say, I have different powers I have not used. I have kanduzi kanduza. I have skeduzi kabash. No, Jesus will never answer you. No, honestly. Jesus will just be looking at you. In fact, you'll be laughing too. Yeah. It, you know, I'm convinced he doesn't have a problem with that guy. He's clear. It is clear. Do you know there are pastors who want to go there to collect power? If you're a true called child of God, a minister of the gospel, if you go near there, you will not leave the place alive. I'm not praying. I'm warning. You know, there are some things that are insulting. Yeah, a servant of Christ Jesus, you go to Baba Lao to go and collect power. Habba. Just say so you know one walk. Slap that boy in the head. Your head. There are some angels that they like people like you. Target practice. You've not shot sure somebody in a long time. And to show some respect, for goodness sake. It's not better to dwell, you know, as a servant at the gate of the temple of the true God. Than to be in abundance in the temple of unrighteousness. Why will you be looking for power from a Babalao? So that a church will grow. I've told you. This year you're in trouble. You're jumping from grace to grace, they'll be giving you omelets. Some of them will now wear it with pride. Sit on their wrist. You know, familiar spirits. Listen, the Lord has arisen all those prophets and pastors that will operate with familiar spirits. He will judge them. He will. He will. You make sure his name use familiar spirits, you are in trouble. You milk people, buy a car with it, just don't enter that motor cow. After you have lied, use familiar spirits to gather their money. I see that you have a 25,000 check in your pocket right there. The Lord said, go and cash it and bring it for me. God said, don't problem. Collect that one. <laughs> there is a woman right here. At the back of your bed. Is it sales for last week? 750,000. The Lord said, bring it as a seed. I will wash your hand in oil. God said, don't, don't problem. Is your casket, we are going to use that money to buy. Don't worry, just be gathering it. When the money has reached a big sum, go and buy the motor car. I will kill you inside the car. The money wouldn't finish. I will leave the balance for a good casket for you. Now let everybody know that I did it. I will show the vision to at least three of your colleagues. They have one more week. Like you say, I hate nonsense. Says the Lord. Not a joke. Jesus Christ hates nonsense. Apostle, he hates nonsense. Ministry is not the way to make it in life financially. Ministry is death. That's what we are seeing here. Paul wanted to prove that he was in ministry. He said, guys, look at it they whipped me with rods three times. The other I put 39, they used lashes. That's a sign. And I like what they wrote to the Galatians. When they want to talk to the Galatians, they were talking. Yeah, Paul, Paul, Gal- <laughs> That Galatians book makes me laugh. You know why? After Paul, don't preach, preach. He said, nobody should trouble me again. <laughs> he said, I bear on my body the brand marks of Christ. That's where I'm going. He said, nobody should disturb me. Huh? What nonsense is this one? If I was preaching for gain, why am I having scars like this? This is if I'm trying to please people. Should I remove my shirt? Scars all, of my, all over my body. Say, let me warn you, nobody should trouble me again. Say, I bear on my body the brand marks of Christ. The girl, he got angry. Say, what, what, what nonsense all of this? Face. Put constraints on you. That is the first mark of faith, of faith you should look out for in your life. What am I refusing to do that I have the right to do? Well, because of my faith. When I say right now, legal rights. Sorry, I talk, you know, it's your people you used to talk. So, one is a good thing, you can mention their names, one is a bad thing, you won't mention their name, all right? If I supposed to do me a strong thing now, i am using to preach when he's not looking, but I won't tell you he's the one. So, these disloyal pastors, they are looking for grace. <laughs> But let me just use this illustration, please, because it's so perfect. You know. Many years ago, when we were in school, I think I thought, okay, when the time we were in school, she passed school and I were in school, about the same time, I've overlapped a bit. Once his siblings are brought, told him that, look, arrange your papers, come and move out to the UK. So it made a lot of sense, which still makes sense for many people till today. And I began to arrange. They started getting his passport, getting things ready for him. I mean, it wasn't a big deal because he's a British national by best, so it wasn't a big deal. So, they were working on. So, to one of his friends he said, ah, I'll soon be leaving school. I think it was only like in his second year at that time. So, I'll be leaving school. Oh. That one said, why? I'll be moving over to the UK. And that one said, oh, that's very nice. That's very nice. He said, just make sure it's the will of God. Now, listen to me. This was the testimony he gave me. He said, the moment the guy said it, I knew it was not the will of God. He said, I didn't have to pray about it. I didn't have to think about it. He just dropped. He said, We were working on the road, University of Benin. And the friend just said that, oh, that's very nice. As long as it's the will of God. He said, as soon as the fellow said it, he said, I knew it was not. He said, I didn't go home to go and pray. Let me go and meditate. He said, as soon as the word came out from his mouth, I knew he wasn't. When his siblings tried to get across to him a few times, they saw the way he was evading them. They knew he had changed his mind. What I'm telling you is about 30 years ago. Still using in Nigeria. Faith puts constraints on you. That's the point we are making. Faith does not only bless you. There are times you will see, ah, job opportunity. You know, <clears throat> We have a generation... Look, it's a generational problem. It's all over the world, but we have to preach it, the truth, and people have to learn to live it. A lot of people don't realize what they call faithfulness. You know, like I said the other time, faith and faithfulness, they are the same Greek word. You have to read it in context to know which one is faith and which one is faithfulness. Sometimes a door of opportunity opens you are walking somewhere, and it's just simple things like, ah, this guy just spent a lot of money training me, And, um... "Ah, If you just move over here, listen to it, you're going to get this amount of uh, money. Your salary is going to go up tenfold. And just look and say, Kai, from 80K to 800K, boy, that's money. Say, but, ah, I know how much this company spent making sure I can do this work well. They spent, You know, went for training, ah, it cost them money. I can't leave yet. Look, this opportunity is opening, it's closing immediately. If you don't take it now, you know, say, ah, Bros, how do I walk to this man? Look him in the eyes and say, sir, your last one year's investment is coming to zero because I'm getting more money. Leave that thing. You know, few people would think you are wise. Many of us don't realize you have just made a decision that makes you stand out from the multitude. Are you happy with what you are earning? Not exactly. But the opposite is, I won't be able to live with myself, please. Look, Tell them to hold the job, I can take it in the next eight months. I will work hard, train somebody else to replace me before I leave here. He said, No, the guy said, No, you have to come within the next six weeks. Listen, everything in life is a test. I keep on telling people. And they're just asking, What is the price for your integrity? That's it. One of the brothers told me a story. As he was telling me, I was being pained, You know, he's paining you here, and you're not there. I wasn't, I, I, and I, I was feeling bad. Say, why don't young people have integrity? He was abroad. You know, like he went to, let me just mention one country. Maybe, assuming he traveled abroad, he went to, okay, let me just take Netherlands, Amsterdam. So he saw one brother there. He said, ah, at the airport, what's going on? What are you doing here? He said, ah, our company sent us for a training. We're going to be here for like uh, three weeks. So he looked at him and said, your company sent you for training in Netherlands and you are here. He said, yes but you told me you are relocating from Nigeria in the next one year. Is your boss aware? He said, do you know how much it's going to cost that? It's a private company. You know how much it's costing them to house you in Europe for a whole month, pay your ticket up and down, and you're planning to leave? No, not in here, In the next six months. And you don't think it, you know, necessary to go and tell the man, I can't go. Why can't you go? Your money will go to waste. I'm planning to resign from you in the next six months. My plan was to give you resignation letter in three months' time. Please, sir. No, but young will say, ah, opportunity. You are begging for divine judgment. You are heartless. You have no integrity. And you want God to bless you, he won't. You are too evil. What is wrong with people? Can't you just say, because of my faith? I can't. This is when I was, when I first got to Lagos. I got to Lagos by a long story anyway. The Lord just came for me to get there. So they said, okay, you can get a job easily. I said, okay, so I'll go from one clinic to the other. So I came up and said, how did it go? I said, it was okay. They liked me until they said, how long will you stay with us? And I told them that I'm actually, I've applied for residency training in Lagos University Gym Hospital. So as soon as they call, I would like to leave. Ah, uh-uh. ah. They said, in that case, we can't employ you. I said, no problem. I'm only looking for somebody who's looking for a temporary doctor too. So one of my aunts is now saying, why do you keep on telling them that? I said, because they keep asking. So one tell them you stay for long. I said, it's going to be a lie. Simple. I don't know. You know, I don't get people. I just said, it's going to be a lie. It's going not be true. I literally am not planning to stay that long. Is it not God we're asking to bless us in this life? Why are we behaving as if we will scheme ourselves into prosperity? We will scheme ourselves into blessing. We will scheme ourselves into destiny. We can't do that. So what we need to do is commend our conscience towards God on a step-by-step basis. Faith, what it does to put constraints on people. The faith that does not put constraints on you is fake. I don't care what it's getting for you. It's bad faith. It's not a good one. It's dead. Is anybody teaching to you like that? He's lying to you. The first thing faith does is to put constraints. There was nothing wrong with what Abraham was going to collect. By the law of warfare those days, everything belonged to him. But he looked and said, Ah! Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Merchizedek just blessed me now. He said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God. Possessor of the heavens and the earth. And blessed be Abraham. Ah, I said, listen, I've just been blessed. And he was confirming the blessing that God had given me directly. He said, I will make you great. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. You'll be so blessed, you'll be a blessing. He says, Oh also don't No, I know what he will say. Everything in the hand of Abraham. He said, no, you will corrupt my testimony. Leave it. That's what I call the constraints of faith. The constraint said to him, don't take it. Sometimes people come and say, that, where did the Bible say? Where did the Bible say? Where did the Bible say?" <laughs> I say, the Bible does not have to say; you just have to have spiritual sense. He just have to have spiritual sense. Let's not look, stop looking at Scripture, looking for excuses to do what we really want to do. That's what a lot of people do, ma'am. What did the Bible say? You know, the Bible did not say because you want to do. So you look what the Bible did not say. You know, of course, you understand that spiritually, faith is a love that God understands. What I'm trying to say is that there's a you know love is defined different ways. Two things you check when you're defining love: who are the two parties involved? Love has to have two parties. So, who are the two parties involved? And in which direction are you looking at it? So, the love of God for man is different from the love of man for God. Are you are you picking up my word? The love, of man for, the love of God for man is provision, you know, redemption, help, you know, blessing, material blessing and stuff. But the love of man for God is called obedience. If a man loves me, he will do what? He will keep my word. That's it. He will keep my word. And the father will love him. What I'm trying to say is that. So faith really. Towards God, walking in faith is real love we show for God. So instead of looking for eh, where the Bible say just love God. Are you getting my point? And when you love God, you understand certain things about Him. He puts certain constraints, and that's why I talk about testimonies. That the Word of God comes in. We, we mentioned um, five areas, right? We talked about what promises. Talking about precepts, which are the principles of God. Then we talked about um, commandments. Then we talked about testimonies and their ordinances. Now, what do you guys call testimonies? I said there are things that you just personally have interacted with God, with scripture. You look at your life. You look at what you believe God wants to be doing. As a result, there are certain things you just don't do. Now, you can't force it on everybody. But your interaction with scripture and life has put constraints on you in certain areas. We call those things testimonies. They are personalized you know, commandments. Listen, what am I trying to say? Every true believer in Christ Jesus, your faith will produce certain constraints on you. Not as if they are bad. There are things I don't do just because I'm a preacher. Not because they are bad. Though. If other Christians do it, I don't see anything wrong with it. In fact, the most interesting one, I don't say because I know people will miss. They will not use it to go and be preaching that, no, Pastor Banky doesn't do this one. It is Pastor Banky, not scriptures, They don't. But it puts constraints on you. Why? Because your faith, your love for God is actually real. It's real. It's real to you. So, like, they, like, um, what is his name? Joseph. Joseph, how will I do such evil and sin against God? It's con- it's con- that, that's what faith does. Ha! No. But God now, no. For example, you're a politician as in, in Nigeria today. You know, it's good. There's nothing wrong with being a politician. You know that, yeah. God wants good people in Nigerian politics, but when you get in there, you don't have to have too many laws. Just be thinking of the Lord all the time, and there are certain constraints they just place on you. There are things you just will not do. You know, politicians can lie. Are you getting my point? Yeah, you, they can lie. They can tell lies. They promise you everything that they can. They say, like, look, what we need now, the earth is too small. We have to be able to expand the moon. The same size as the head. said, We should be able to do that in our eight years in, in power. Amen. <laughs> and they say they don't think about it. They make all kinds of agreements. Politicians are funny. They say, Okay, what will it take for you to support us? They say, um, You will give us this particular seat to so somebody from our constituency. They say, Done. So What will it take for you to support us? The same seat. Done. <laughs> You will promise you seat to four different people to get your vote. And let me tell you something about <laughs> electoral rules. Here, the man at the top makes the rules so that he settles first, then you can fight after. So all of you have given him your support. And you have voted him in. Then he said, "The other about the other ones." Ah! Now leave four of you to be fighting over it. But you, all of them say, it was promised to us. Yes, well, you, you will call him. He has won his own. He has, he's now secure. The chief of will say he's not available. So then you can't see him again. <laughs> there are things that Jesus just say you can't do. And just by the way, let me just drop it for people to understand. I hope you know all these things we are doing. Hmm? What we call election. Or no election. Or selection. Or appointment. I hope you know the power ultimately belongs to God. The way you will get there is a long story. But who appoints you is God. Was it on Tuesday here I was showing it also? Was it last Saturday? Was Tuesday? Yeah, let me just repeat it for those who may not have been around. You know Saul was appointed by God, through us. I hope you know Saul was also selected by the people, not just appointed by God. Yes. Read your Bible. God told Samuel, this is my anointed. This my man I have chosen. The man told Saul. Told him what would happen to him and all of that. Then the day of selecting king, Samuel didn't say a word. He said, everybody vote. And they voted in Saul by themselves. He said, there was no vote in that time? Yes. they did what they call casting of lots. So they did a casting of lots. They chose the tribe of Benjamin. They did a casting of lots. Samuel was looking at them. They chose the house of Kish. They did casting of lots they chose Saul, son of Kish. And he was not even there. He had gone to hide somewhere. What was God telling us? you know, It didn't strike me on recently. That even though God spoke directly to Samuel, and Samuel had told Saul about it, yet when it was time to choose Saul, he did not impose him on anybody. He said, go to the polls, go and vote. Of course, that one was not voting, it was casting of lots. So bear it in mind, if you are a politician, Let your faith put constraints on you. If in that process, you don't get a particular political office, it is not because you were not wise. It was because the Lord said no. It's not because you did not learn how to play the game. It's simply because the Lord said what? No. No. That's all. That's all. (laughs) Somebody will not say that you should have done this everything in life. Satan is trying to bait you away from your real destiny. Faith will put constraints on you. If you promise somebody, other people come, and say that is what we want, say, sorry guys, I made a promise yesterday to some people. That seat it. is no longer negotiable. If you want it, I can tell you who they are. Go and discuss with them, whether they'll be willing to settle for something else. But that's just what faith does. Faith will just tell you, no, 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 you can't do that. I told you one of our brothers, I like to tell a story once in a while. Why do I like to tell it? It shows you that this thing we are saying about the power of God is real, it's not a joke. What happened to him? It was a young man counselor, a young man in his local government. They said, you're a good man run for office. So he dreamt. And in the dream he was told what to do. On the day of election, he did exactly what he was told to do. The angel told him in the dream, this is how you, you are going to do. You go from one polling station to another polling station and collect copies of the results as they are coming out. So he got a bike man to take him around that day. That's all he was doing in the dream. He was instructed. And he did his like that. And guess what? He won the election. I was very impressed. And he was such a good counselor. Everybody said, you are going to be the next chairman. They so said, okay, we'll run for office. Then that angel, you know, some angels don't even know where not to go again. That angel came to him again in the dream. He said, the Lord said, no matter what you do, you will not win. <laughs> yes, it was clever. He dreamt again. He said, this election is not yours. Leave it. Kind of thing, they're now saying that this, the devil wants to deny you huh, of what God is trying to give. Forget that nonsense. <laughs> he woke up and said, ah, what kind of dream is this? People now spoke to him persuaded him that it's not true. But his faith was good. They so first came to him and said, we are going to carry you to one is it Babalahu or something? That that's the one that Jim Ubudu uses. Yeah, that's what they told him. They said this is Jim's Ubudu. I don't know whether it's true or false, so that's why I'm mentioning his name. So he said, but I'm a, I'm a Christian now. And eh? they said, okay, they left. Then they came. <laughs> Some pastors are in trouble. They came back and met him that way. I found a pastor who we pray. <laughs> uh, she said, you're a Christian. Yeah. So, so they carried to the pastor. He agreed to follow them, these guys. They got there. <laughs> God They got there. The pastor said, you have been a counselor for how long? Two years. Go and bring the arrears of the title. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> he said, sir, I didn't have money. He said, the only thing I acquired on my period of being a counselor was 1505. You know, to come when I was driving. So that was the only thing, that was the only property he had. He have land. He have anything. He was a good man. So they said. So the pastor told him how much he's going to bring before he prays. So he said, "When I met one lawyer, I asked him to borrow him the money, to lend him the money." <laughs> the lawyer said, "I'm not going to give my money like that. Where's your collateral?" So, the only thing he had was that motorcar. So, he gave the lawyer and that one give him money. And he went back to the judge. <laughs> I'm telling you. The pastor collected the money. Praise God. He had Oh. He began to pray. He prayed and he said amen. I mean, when you have paid, you have to say amen. Think about it. <laughs> they prayed very well. The day of election, you know what happened? Okay. He had a dream again. And the Lord said, Do everything you want. You're not winning. Ha! Which guy will laugh at this one? The day of election, you know what happened? Everybody voted for him. If you know everybody, majority voted for him. And he won. And he was feeling very happy. And God was just smiling. And then one big man came from Abuja. And his governor was negotiating with the big man for his own second tenure. And the big man had only one demand. You know, God instigated him. Said that chairmanship position goes to my guy. He said, we have just done election. I said, I don't care. You want to rem- come back as governor? Eh? That is the price you pay. So the governor unilaterally annulled June 12th <laughs> in their state. It's one state not too far away from here. I won't tell you the name of the state unless you beg me after. I won't tell you the name of the governor if you want to know. If you beg me some more, I tell you the local government. <laughs> Which I'm not even sure I know that one. I? But I know the state, I know the time it happened, so I can tell the name of the governor. The point I'm making is this. That was how he lost his seat. Fiat. Pew, somebody just comes and come, forget that election. And protests began. Ah, will not agree, will not agree. He said, oh, you're he sat with the governor, I were protesting. He, he wasn't angry. Why? The Lord had told him ahead that leave it. Nothing is going to come out of it. I just like to end that story once in a while to let us know the power belongs to whom? To God. Okay, I made June 12 June a joke all right, along the line. Let's remind ourselves again about that June 12 election. M.K. Abiola was running for office. I think he should be the most popular person that ever ran for office in Nigeria because I was doing my NYC that time. So I was in northern Nigeria. I was in Taraba State. And he won massively in our area. Everybody lined up to vote for him. He defeated Bashir Tufa in Bashir Tufa's local government in Kano. Free and fair election. Nigeria has not seen any election like that ever. Either before or after. People like option A4. And Henry Wosu, right? Yes. Oh, Humphrey, sorry. Henry Wosu was a footballer. Humphrey a thank you. Humphrey Wosu. Saw the man a few years ago at the church here. I remember the man explaining option A4 for us on TV. Beautiful idea. It was just one systematic way of look, the election was good. Except that beforehand our Lagos prophet, the real prophet, I don't mean the the real one. He used to say, he said somebody tell that man he'll never rule this country. And they're going to say local government. So it's not... Oh yes, they are both from Mogul State. The prophet and the president to be. In fact, they're actually distant relatives. In fact, he used to say it like this: Tell my brother he will never be president. That's how he used to say it. He says, Somebody tells my brother he will never be president. He says, No, is there no elder in that house anymore? He's about to embark on a journey from which he will never return. Oh, that's how he used to preach on Sundays. And you know him. He doesn't he doesn't pull punches. He used to say it on Sundays. He says about to embark on a journey from which he will never return. Every word was proven to be true. He said, tell my brother he will never be president. (laughs) With that amount of popularity, decree had gone out from heaven, he will never be president. The same prophet came back to church one day. He said, NRC will lose. There were two parties only contesting. He said, NRC will lose, SDP will not win. There were just two parties. NLC Bashir Tofa, SDP M Q He said NLC will lose, but SDP will not win. The day of election, election was, oh God! Then our troublemaker from uh, Oguta, remember him now? Zerebe, ABN, Association for Better Nigeria. They went to court. court was all arranged. Went to court, collected injunction against uh, the election, suspended the election announcement. There's announcement of the results. Then, of course, because of option A4, getting the results was not a problem. If you had enough people around, they could collect the results directly as it was coming out from each polling station. So they collected it nationwide and published it. Different places were publishing the real results. And, of course, MK Abida was winning, won well. Bashir Tofa actually had congratulated him. I said to me, the prophet looked like he didn't know what he was saying. "Oh, prophet was just looking at all of us. prophet did look also. The next day, I still remember that they I was sitting in my office, uh, in my house, in the barracks. Because I stayed with the Nigerian army. And my guy just came, we called the guy a pastor. He said, June 12th elections annulled. What? He turned the radio for us later to hear the broadcast. The broadcast was very short. It was not more than 10 minutes there or 12 minutes there about. Very short. Announcing the annulment. Know the rest of the story. M.K. Abiola never recovered from it. He died in Abacha's imprisonment. Never came out from it. You know why? Because heaven rules. Heaven rules. Why am I telling the story again? I need to encourage somebody. So listen, it's only God that puts people in power. I know where I began from. So if God into political office, your faith will put constraints on you. As a man in life, faith puts constraints on you. As a wife, faith puts constraints on you. As a child, as a student, faith puts constraints on you. One reason why you will not cheat in an exam is faith. Except if I'm going to pass, I have to pass by faith. That's going to be the blessing of God. How would I finish cheating an exam? And I'll sit down and say, ah, God was good. You give testimonies that are incomplete. You leave out the areas that are deeds of darkness. What the Pope calls the hidden things of dishonesty. We have to hide them because they are not honest. As a minister of the gospel, faith puts constraints on you. Listen, if you are believing God for anything in life, how you know it's actually God you are believing is a kind of restraint that that faith puts on you. It differs from situation to situation. I've told a few examples today, but I want everybody to know, the sign of faith, one major sign of faith, is a kind of constraint that it places on people. The world wants to make it look as if there's no constraint anywhere. Boundaries are part of life. God gave boundaries to us to be able to enjoy life. Without boundaries, life has no meaning. An assignment of faith in life is to draw your own boundaries for you. I think I've spoken enough for today. Let's bow down our heads and just give a Lord thanks. Let's give you a lot of Thanks for the word that we have received this evening. Say, Lord, thank you again for sending...